I'm excited to be down here with you this morning, and I love that I have the most amazing um, volunteers upstairs that uh, will not skip a beat um, up there, and they could do it without me, so I love that. Um, But I'm excited for this morning, Um, but I'm also, I've had this whole last few weeks just kind of a a heavy feeling, because I know, especially as I look around our congregation, as as Heather talked about, I see see hurting. I see people that are weary. Um, I see people that... Um, maybe have gone through things that, what would I know? I've never been through that. What would I know about that? And um, so if that's you this morning, this morning is, is for you. If you are hurting, if you are struggling, if you are uh, weary or doubtful, or you're in the middle of a, what you feel is an unrealistic demand, um, this morning is for you. And I pray it, that this is as um, encouraging to you as it was for me preparing it this week. Um, but, but what I, I want to start with, um, over the last few weeks, John has uh, introduced us to the book of Daniel in this series called Resilient. And so in order to, um, in order, we're going we're gonna to get to Daniel 2, verses 12 through 45. So if you have your Bibles, you can open there. We'll go there soon. But Daniel 2, verse 12 through 45. But I, I don't know about you, I have always been so impressed with Daniel I mean, Daniel is a guy that outlived the entire Babylonian empire. He served under four foreign kings in, a, in an unfamiliar land, in a culture, and won the favor of those leadership, of those kings, every time. Two of those kings were Babylonian kings, Nebuchadnezzar and his son Belshazzar. And you'll, you'll hear that, a, a name similar to that that was actually given to Daniel by King Nebuchadnezzar um, later. And then he, he also served under two uh, Persian kings, you know, Persia took over as the powerhouse next, and he served under um, King Darius. And you know, you know that name from Daniel in the lion's den. King Darius is the one that um, threw Daniel at 80 years old, way after where we are today, into his lion's den. Um, and um, he also served for around a year under King Cyrus. So he's, he's outlived this Babylonian empire and then also into this um, Persian empire as well. But he won the favor every time uh, of, these, of these in leadership. He was present through the entire captivity of the Jewish people, right? When, when, when God uh, allowed the Babylonians to come and take over God's people in that, in that um, overtaking, he was alive through it all. Um, the book of Daniel has had a special place in my heart ever since high school. The summer before my senior year in high school, I got to go to Venezuela um, and the purpose of this mission trip was to do vacation Bible schools. We, we set up in these pretty rough areas in Venezuela and um, just led these vacation Bible schools. And I was just excited for a fun trip out of the country, never been, never flown. And uh, then they send me the packet of all the work I had to do um, before I went. So part of that was studying Daniel. And part of that, I, my job was going to be to teach the Daniel and the lion's den story, st- story to a group of three through five-year-olds. And I, and I thought, this is going to be awesome. I can't wait. They're going to be so excited. And I'm pretty energetic and pretty enthusiastic, if you can't tell already. And I, I am telling this story. And every sentence, I have to stop and look to my translator and hope he brings that same enthusiasm and excitement as he tells what I just said. And I'm nodding like I know what he's saying, hoping it's right on. Um, but, but I've always had a special place in my heart for Daniel, um, even, even since then. But if you're like me, you rush to that story. We rush to Daniel in the lion's den. Guys, Daniel was 80 then. We, we always see him, this young strap guy, and he probably could have wrestled those lions if he wanted to, and we, we forget, no, God closed those lions' mouths. Um, and, and I love um, 
In the story, the Medo-Persian king Darius, he's tricked by these jealous uh, administrators and satraps because he put Daniel in charge. And, and they, were, they were jealous. So he was tricked into issuing a decree that would have Daniel thrown in the lion's den simply for praying to the God in heaven and not to the king. Such an amazing ending with God shutting the lion's mouths. And I love the first person at the den in the morning is who? King Darius. He hated what but the decree. Once the decree was written, you couldn't change it. He hated it and he rushed, to the, he rushed and said, please tell me your God, your God saved you. And he found out that God saved him. God did shut him. He was so angry. He took those satraps and ministers and threw them in and they were, they were killed by those lions. But the story, um, with, but with each story I hear of Daniel, I'm amazed at Daniel's handling of difficult situations. We're talking about today unrealistic, um, impossible demands that are being put on us and how we handle those demands. So I want to do a quick recap for some of you that have missed the last few weeks. I actually got to... um, to, to spend some time, I, I started with, the, with this way. Once I found out where I was going to be, I started and listened to all of Tom, um, all of John's, and all of Sean's sermons of Daniel, just so I kind of had an idea of where they were and where this resilient series is going. And so um, I got to listen to all those and kind of prepare my heart and my mind for, for my sermon. And um, if, you, if, you, if you've missed them, or John's not here, so if you fell asleep, you... Um, you feel free. You can go to socc.org, and all the sermons are on there. You can listen to all campuses and hear just um, all, a different sermon about the same topic. And, and I, I love, that's what's amazing to me about our Bible. This, this Bible is, a, is what we call a living word. What that means is it's alive. Daniel's written 2,600 years ago. What in the world could something 2,600 years ago, how could Daniel even know what I'm going through today? Right? That's our thought. Daniel doesn't know what I'm going through. He didn't have a boss like mine. He didn't have a spouse like mine. He didn't have kids like, he didn't have these demands like mine. He didn't have, he didn't suffer the loss like I'm suffering. He didn't suffer um, maybe his own, his own maybe physical ailments or his own mental ailments, emotional ailments. He didn't struggle with those things. How could he possibly 26 years, 2,600 years ago understand what I'm going through today? But what we forget is this word is alive because it it was written by a living God through man and through Daniel. And I think what's amazing is when you listen to the other sermons too, you see that three people diving into the same scripture with the same kind of focus, the resilient focus, the same mindset. Since it's a living word, it's going to speak to them and it's going to speak to us today in our current time of need depending on what we're going through. That's why it's alive and it's, and it's written. That's, and God knew that as he's writing it, that it is still going to apply to us even more today than it did then. And, and I love thinking about um, that no ordinary book can do that, right? Only a book written by a living God can touch us today. Um, so I encourage you, go listen to them and see where God moved through that scripture and, and their words to, to their congregations too. Um, so the story, Daniel, this recap, Daniel's taken from his home in Jerusalem after God allows the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar to overthrow Judah's horrible King Jehoiakim. God allowed it. King Jehoiakim was taking God's people in the wrong direction and God allowed King, king Nebuchadnezzar to overtake uh, Judah and, and Jerusalem as well. And so um, I love the story though. You have one of the worst kings, King Jehoiakim, that Judah ever had. The son of one of the best kings, King Josiah, that, that Judah ever had. And, and the story of how quickly, um, how quickly things turned for God's people. And 
um, God allowed this overtaking to happen. But what King Nebuchadnezzar did is he took, um, he took the best of the best of the Israelites, the ones from the royal family or of nobility, and, and brought them to Babylonia with him for this re-education, how to be a Babylonian. He brought them there for this uh, re-education they were going to go through. And listen, Daniel 1.4 says, uh, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude of every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. This is Daniel. And, and I'm sure Daniel hated that God told him, hey, you need to write all these great adjectives about yourself right now. Um, but you need to write all these great things telling about how great you are and how, how great the men like you were. But from everything we know about Daniel, he did hate it. Like we can joke, yeah, it'd be fun. I write down, oh, I'm, I'm the best at this. I'm the best at that. But Daniel hated it. Daniel, and everything that Daniel, every success Daniel had, everything Daniel um, received, he pointed everyone to God all the time. He deflected all that praise and gave it to God. So I'm sure he did hate it. Um, we have to remember Daniel 17. He's a 17-year-old teenager, and three of his buddies, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, they were their Jewish names that were given to them, were stripped of all their Jewish royal lives to go through a three-year training on how to be Babylonian. Their lit Babylonian literature, Babylonian language, the culture, the food, and even their names. Daniel's name was, was changed to Belshazzar, close to Belshazzar that um, King Nebuchadnezzar named his son. And names that you all know are familiar with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Names that honored Babylonian gods. So after this training, they'd be able to enter into the king's service only after they went through this re-education. Forget everything you know about being a, being a Jew and being an Israelite and being one of God's people. Come once, you're, once you know what it's like to be a Babylonian, then you can join the king's court and his service. So Daniel says that God caused the officials to show favor of him. And in order to not defile himself, Daniel and his friends were allowed to be put through a test of eating only vegetables for 10 days to see how they compared with the other people that were brought in, the other, what do you want to call them, the wise, the nobility, the people of, of wisdom that were brought over. See how you compare with them, right? And they were allowed to eat the king's feast, right? They, they, they were fed by the kings and his, his food and, and uh, his drink and, and that piece of it. But they asked, can we be, can allow us to go through this test? Because I don't want to defile myself before God. And because God had laws that they, of food that Israelites needed to eat and should eat and should stay away from. And so they, the, since, he show, since he earned this favor of these leaders, um, he was allowed to go through this test. And the Bible says that at the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished. Than, than them. I, I, I dare you, go 10 days just eating vegetables and see if you look better nourished and, and healthier or not. But, but I love that this is showing this, that God is in this. God is in what's happening right now. So throughout their training, God gave them knowledge of everything they were learning, which surprised me, right? It, it, it wasn't God said, stay away from all of that. I'm going to give you, you're going to be the best of the best there is. I'm going to give you knowledge of the learning, um, of everything you were learning. At the end of the training, Daniel says that the, that the king found that the men were 10 times greater than all the magicians, the enchanters, the wise men, all those frauds that, that, that they felt they were wise by earthly standards. In, in the whole kingdom, 10 times greater, the king found them. King Nebuchadnezzar found these men. So the first thing we see is Daniel doesn't want us or the Babylonians to consider him great. But he points to God in heaven to receive all the glory of how he's excelling and, his, and these men are excelling in their training. 
And then chapter 2 starts with Daniel, where we're going to be today, faced with an unrealistic demand from King Nebuchadnezzar and his magicians, enchanter, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers. That was all the wise men, all his, his, closest, his closest court, his closest wise men. Um, King Nebuchadnezzar can't and, uh, and or he doesn't remember the dream that he's been having, a real troubling dream that's been bothering him. He can't remember or, and he, or he, can't tell, he doesn't want to tell them this dream. And here's what he tells them. Not, if, if for you, my wise men, I want you to tell me what my dream was and then I want you to interpret it, right? Not just all, we'll tell you what the dream is. Like most frauds, you, you would tell them the dream and they'd tell you some lie that maybe sounded good and get you to believe them, right? He says, you tell me what my dream was. If you're so wise, tell me what my dream was and then tell me what it means. And I love what happens. Um, King Nebuchadnezzar gives them this and then they answer in chapter two, verse 10 and 11. And it was actually probably the wisest thing they have ever said in their entire lives. They, they were just a little off. They said this, there is not a man on earth who can do what the king asks, truth. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods. Close. And they do not live among men. They knew themselves that they were frauds. And they, um, and they were just a little bit off. Not gods, but the one true living God. The God of heaven was the one that could do that, what the king was asking. And they were terrified and they had reason to be. Because here's the kicker. If they can't tell him the dream and they can't decipher the dream... No big deal. You're just going to be cut to pieces and your house is going to be destroyed and you're going to be, your family's going to be buried in the rubble of that, of that house. So this is what Daniel is experiencing. But Daniel somehow missed this uh, cut you to pieces and tear down your house party because he wasn't there at the time when the king made that announcement. But you better believe those, uh, the officials and all those wise men were running to find him. And he wasn't off the hook. So we're starting today when, with King Nebuchadnezzar issuing this decree um, to all the wise men of Babylon, including Daniel. He says this in verse 12. This made, this made the king so angry and furious that he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree was issued to put the wise men to death, and the men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death. Daniel is in real trouble. Daniel is facing a demand that no matter how great he, we know he is, you'll see as we study Daniel, he's an incredible example to us, but more than, being, than Daniel being great, in the book of Daniel, we see how great God is. And, and Daniel's not off the hook here. Um, what I want to focus on this morning, and I want this to be in our hearts as we, as we go d dive into the rest of the scripture, is two things. We need to look for the hand of God in our life, no matter the circumstance, no matter whether we feel like we're being cut to pieces by something in our life or whether we feel like the, the, the roof is caving in on us because of, of, of whatever just trouble we're, or struggle we're going through. We have to, to look for the hand of God in our life and we have to trust in the sovereignty of God, that he's still in control. No matter how bad we wish we were in control and we are failing miserably at it, God is still in control. So even when his people were wondering how any of this takeover, Babylonian takeover, how could this be a part of God's plan? Why would God allow us to be taken over and taken to a whole new foreign land? Um, but at the same time, still in Judah, and I love this, is another prophet we all know, Jeremiah. And Jeremiah, we call him the weeping prophet. He was the prophet during the time when both, um, both of the books that he's responsible for, he's, he's weeping and he's crying out to God's people because it's a tough time in Judah. 
They've lost everything that all their ancestors had built this kingdom for them, and they've, they've thrown it away. And, and, and this is such a cool overlap in God's word. Daniel probably grew up listening to Jeremiah. He listened to God speaking through Jeremiah to God's people. So I love that, that Daniel was probably young and listening to these stories that Jeremiah was telling and the words of God to him. And now he has words for Daniel that Daniel needs in his time of need. And these are words that we read today. And some of you probably um, have this, this verse underlined, highlighted. You might even have picture frames that have this verse on it. It's a common verse and it's Jeremiah 29, 11. And it says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. You see, Daniel didn't have it in a plaque hanging on his wall. Daniel had it in his heart, and he believed it, and he trusted it, and he knew it. Not as optimism. He knew it in his core that, that God had plans for him, even when this world seems ugly, even when you're in the face of something awful, that God can bring good out of it, and God has plans for good, even when you're struggling and even when you're suffering. Daniel is now face-to-face -face with this promise, though. Do you believe it? Do you really believe it? Because right now, the King, King Nebuchadnezzar's men are coming to cut you to pieces and to crumble your house with your, you and your family inside. Right? That, that's the reality he's facing. He's, and and they're, they're struggling to, while they're in this foreign land, um, Daniel has a, a, an unreasonable boss, right? This king that's, that's asking him, hey, I want you to become Babylonian. I'm going to take you through this re-education process. Forget everything you believed before. And, and, and Daniel might have struggled. I could, I could do this and I, things could go great. I could have everything in the king's palace. I could have all the food, the wealth. I don't need anything if I'm there. But Daniel didn't want to ever defile himself. And he faces it head on and he didn't even flinch. I said, God, help me to, to trust your hand in my life and your sovereignty like Daniel. He never doubted God was with him and that he had already gone before him to Babylon and was preparing that for what Daniel was going to um, encounter when he got there. How old is he again? Seven years old. And I'm saying, look at his maturity. Look at his, look at his example. I need to be more like that. Less than half my age. Would I be re that resilient in my face facing that trial? I love this illustration. It came from, our, I know some of you, um, growing up, my mom always had the, my, our daily bread devotional. And, and this came from um, one devotional. It's called Hardships Force Our Roots to Go Deep. So when the struggles come, we are prepared. And the story is, A. Parnell Bailey visited an orange grove where an irrigation pump had broken down. The season was unusually dry, and some of the trees were beginning to die from lack of, of water. The man giving the tour um, then took Bailey to his own orchard, where the irrigation was only used sparingly. He would shut off the water supply at times um, on, with his oranges, not just feeding them the water supply every day. He said, these trees could go without rain for another few weeks. He said, you see, when, when they were young, I frequently kept water from them. This hardship caused them to, to send their roots deeper into the soil to search for moisture. Now mine are the deepest rooted trees in the area. While the others are being scorched by the sun, these are finding moisture at a greater depth. So how do we be like Daniel? How do we be more resilient and unshakable in the face of our, of our troubles, our struggles, our mountains that we might feel are in front of us, or unrealistic demands? Daniel's roots were stronger and deeper than anyone in Babylon could understand, even King Nebuchadnezzar. He didn't just hear stories from Joseph 1,200 years before. This story sounds so similar to the story of Joseph. Joseph is, is sold into slavery by his own brothers, 
right, through jealousy, sold into slavery. And he's forced to grow up in a foreign land under a foreign king. He finds favor with that king, right? He earns favor of that king and and similar to that story. And, And I think, wow, what strong faith he must have had to trust that God was sovereign, when Joseph was forced into, into all that slavery and he could trust. And at the end of his, his life, after the end, his brothers are having to come before him now that he's second in command. And his brothers are having to beg and they're, they're worried, he's going to kill us. He's going to have us killed because we did it for him. And, and Joseph's heart was what? What God, what you, what you guys meant for evil, God had already planned for good. God, had already, God was already there before you guys. God knew what was going to happen. And he was, he was here planning it for good. So look at me now, a second in command, able to save all the people of Egypt and my family. So this is, Daniel grew up with that knowing and trusting, hey, I, this isn't an optimism, just a blind optimism. I hope everything turns out okay. I hope tomorrow's better than today. Daniel, Daniel believed it with every bit of the core that was in him. He believed it. He lived it. Listen to this story. It's, I said, don't, com, don't, con, or don't confuse optimism with a rock solid faith. Jim Stockdale was an admiral, and he was the highest-ranking official in the Hanoi Hilton POW camp during the Vietnam War. Um, He survived, and during an interview, he was asked about people that didn't make it out. Tell me about those people that didn't make it out. And his answer shocked the interviewer, Jim Collins. Jim Collins wrote Good to Great, um, a a business-minded book. Um, His answer was the optimist. He was confused, and he asked what he meant. And his answer surprised me, says the optimist. Oh, they were the ones, he said, that didn't make it. We're going to get out by Christmas, they would say. Christmas would come and go. And then they'd say, we're going to be out here by Easter. Easter would come and go. We're going to be, you know what? And then Thanksgiving, we're going to be out by Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving would come and then they're back to Christmas again. And they died of a broken heart, he tells the interviewer. This is a very important lesson. You must never confuse faith that you will prevail in the end, which you can never afford to lose, with the discipline to confront confront the most brutal facts of your current reality. Whatever they might be, Daniel didn't know the when or the why or the how he was going to get out of this situation. But he asked the question, God, why are you putting me through this? He He didn't just yell out why. Why, God? Why me? Why do I have to go through this? He simply trusted God was with him, And he looked for his hand at work in his present situation. And he relied on the truth that God is sovereign. So how did Daniel react to finding out he's about to get cut to pieces and his house was going to crumble, his family's going to be under the rubble of his house? Um, On your bulletin notes, the teacher's coming out in me. So on your bulletin notes, I actually um, listed some things. I I, I listened to a thing by Rick Warren called Unshakable. And... um, I, I gave some fill-in, some little, there's some fill-in the spots. There's eight steps. These are practical steps that we can learn from Daniel. And I want you to jot these. There's just a, a little word for you to fill in um, with, with each one. But um, these are the, Daniel's responses and his actions to these, these situations in his life. Um, sorry, I, I, I teach for a living, so that's, that's where the teach side's coming out. But um, I know many of you feel right now like there's a mountain in front of you. And, and, as this, and as our songs this morning, like God is a God that can kick down those walls and we have to trust him. Um, so in order to do that, uh, yeah, we may not be being faced with death right now, but what we're going through feels, it feels like it, 
right? It feels like we're being cut to pieces, like the roof is, is caving in on us and is, is, is holding us down. And, and I want you to see what Daniel did. First step, when Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put to death the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. Step one, don't panic. Don't panic where you are. Don't fear. Arioch came to kill them. Daniel, Daniel handed it, handled it with wisdom and discretion. 17 years old. I keep going back to that. He's 17, and he's, and he's teaching me how I should handle it. And, he's in the, and Daniel's in the face of the most powerful man in the world right now. And he stayed calm, almost as if he was prepared for a moment like this one. Right? Almost like he knew this trouble's coming. And guys, we should know that because what, what is evident in our Bible is just because you, you become a follower of Jesus, you're not going to be exempt from the troubles of the world. It's not that they're not going to come your way. It's not that they're not going to be right in front of you, weighing you down and suffocating you at times. Right? We're not exempt from that. If anything, John 16, says the opposite. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart for I have overcome the world. See the difference? In this world, there's going to be tough times, right? You're probably going through one now. And as I look around, I know what some of you have gone through. Just this week, the loss we've had in our church. But we have to be ready and trust that we're going to have trouble. But we know the one who overcame the world. And that one that overcame the world, that same power lives in us. That same, that same peace, that same don't panic, that same calm can live in us today. Remember, we need to look for his hand and his sovereignty. God's hand will be there in your life somewhere. Look for it. Find it. And, and trust that he's still sovereign, no matter what the situation is. This calm allowed him to, to think clearly, and it gets us to our second point. He asked the king's officers, in verse 15, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? Arioch then explained the matter to Daniel. So step two is ask why. What are the facts and the motivation behind this situation that's in front of me? If it's from a person, why is this person expecting this unrealistic expectation of me? If it's from yourself, why am I allowing this to, to overtake me right now? Or if it's from some, something that hit our lives, God, what are you trying to teach me in this moment? Because the king right now is afraid. He's scared. He's had these troubling dreams. He has no clue what they mean, right? So he's scared and he's, he's emotional and he's pressuring Daniel because he's feeling that pressure. Daniel asks why and Eric, Arioch tells him what had happened. No decision should ever be made on emotion. Ever. Never, ever make a decision on emotion. It will never lead to a good start. I even say, don't, don't, invite, don't be invited into a relationship with Jesus Christ just on an emotion. Because what happens when that emotion is gone? Where's the real faith? And that's where the real faith is going to be there. When the emotion's gone, God, the, the Holy Spirit can move through emotion and through worship and through song and through that. But when it's gone and reality hits and you're facing death, be cutting into pieces and, and the roof caving in on you, there has to be a rock-solid faith behind that emotion. Or when the emotion's gone, we don't know what to do. So Daniel is facing this right now, and he's asking God why. Not in a rhetorical way, right? He's not asking him rhetorically. There's no sin in asking God why, as long as it's not, why me, God? Why do I have to go through it? The question should be, I trust you're sovereign and in control, so show me why I'm in this trial. Show me why I'm going through this. And then we would be able to figure out the next step. The next step, I love this. It says, at this time, Daniel went to the king and asked him for time so that he might interpret his dream and he might let this emotion subside. He doesn't want to make a decision when he's emotional. Give me time. 
Give me time. And that's step three, ask for time. This will help you create a plan. Don't be impulsive. Make sure you're thinking critically and logically. Rick Warren said, I love it. A wrong decision is a wrong decision, no matter how fast you make it. The time that this would give Daniel time to talk to God. But, and however, he didn't let this time be a procrastination either. He went right away to figure out what his steps were. He didn't, he didn't tell him, oh, it's impossible. This is impossible. I can't do this. He, he doesn't do what the other fraud said, right? The other wise men that were supposedly wise. He says, give me some time and I'll figure this and I'll, I'll be able to figure this out. And, and it doesn't, um, we can't delay because when we delay that hill that's in front of us or that might be a little molehill to start, when we delay, it turns into that mountain, right? And then it seems impossible for us to get over. So um, Daniel goes into our next step four. Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends. I love this. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And we know those names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He urged them to plead for mercy from God in heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men in Babylon. Step four, we have to enlist prayer support from friends. You have to. He gets his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, to plead for mercy from the God in heaven. King Nebuchadnezzar may have tried to, to change them into their Babylonian names, may have tried to strip them of all their education um, and, and, and all their, their faith in God, but it didn't work. Daniel knew that the king, something the king couldn't understand. God in heaven can do what no man uh, could think is possible. We have to have a group of prayer warriors. And I wrote, who would you call? You're facing this. Who do you call when those times? If you don't have someone in this group, guys, I urge you, don't delay. Find someone that you can call to be your prayer warrior. Find someone to plug in here at West. Join, join a serve team, a life group, a married life group, a 20s and 30-something group. Shoot, 70s and 80-something group. If we don't have, we'll make it. But you can't try to, to do this on your own. You can't. And, and I think Daniel taught us that real practical knowledge there. Find your prayer warriors to, to, to go through this with you. Isn't it funny that we always think, mm, I'm going to hold it in. We don't, we don't want to be vulnerable and let someone know what we're struggling with or we're suffering or, or that we're hurting, right? That's just our, our go-to. We, we let our pride block that way, but then we never allow God to work through others and we never, we never um, allow, like Daniel did, to go and, and enlist that support and see what God's going to do when you enlist that support from, from your friends. Now, this gets us, and, and I love it, I, I, I made the joke that Daniel went to his teens life group, our youth group kids, right? Meeting back here now. They, Daniel went to his youth group kids and said, we got, I got a problem, I need your help, I need you guys to pray. 17, We're, I'm, I'm picturing every time I read Daniel, he's my age, or he's older, he's my parents' age, he's, but I, I picture it, no, he's half my age with this maturity and this understanding of what to do when he's faced with this kind of, of trouble. And it leads us to step five. It says, during the night, the mystery was revealed and Daniel in a vision, to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised God in heaven. Step five is to pray and expect God to give supernatural help. We have to pray and expect him to give supernatural help. Daniel does this. God wants us to ask. God loves to help us. Remember we talked about Jeremiah just in a, a 600 miles away in, in Judah where all of Daniel and his buddies were taken to Babylon. To, to Babylon. Jeremiah 33.3 3 says this in the message. I love this translation. It says, call to me and I will answer you and show you marvelous and wonderful things you could never figure out on your own. 
Daniel couldn't know. He could only guess what, king, what the king's dream meant. He just had to ask God. Remember, James 1.5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask, right? If any of you lacks wisdom, ask and expect God to give you that wisdom. We have to expect him. It's not boasting. It's not bragging that somehow that God's going to answer my prayer because I'm, I'm so close to him or I'm so spiritually he's going to answer mine. No way. It's the opposite. I'm going to pray and I'm going to trust him to answer it and I'm going to give him the glory when he does. And I think that leads us to step six, exactly what Daniel shows us. It says, Then Daniel praised God in heaven and said, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells in him and with him. I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we ask of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king, King Nebuchadnezzar. Step six is worship God. And man, does Daniel do this. He praises God in heaven. He honors God for what he does. Verse 21 and 22 I read. And he also thanks God for helping him. I thank you and I praise you, O God of the fathers, that you've given me this wisdom. He thanks them. So he, pra he praises God, he honors God, and he thanks God for answering his prayer. This leads us into step seven. Then Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to execute the wise men of Babylon, and said to him, Do not execute the wise men of Babylon. Take me to the king and I will interpret his dream. And I love Arioch. He takes Daniel to the king at once and says, I have found a man from the, ex from the exiles from Judah who can tell the king what his dream means. I have found it. I love that. Um, so step seven is we need to use what God shows us to save others. Use what God's putting you through right now. If you're going through something and you don't know why, trust that God does. Trust that he wants to use what you're going through for you to help the next person, for you to bless the people around you that are probably going through it. But if you hold on to it, no one knows, they don't know you're going through it. If we let pride keep us from opening up and saying and telling others what, what's going on in us, then it, we never get the, the joy of teaching someone else and going alongside someone else to, to overcome that that God's put us through. So use, use what God shows me to save others. God wants us to save. Did you hear what, what Daniel said? Daniel wasn't just about saving him and his buddies, right? God wants to, to show you what you can use to save your friends, your coworkers, and people in your life. But he also wants you to go through it so you can help your enemies, your competitors, right? Not just those that, that love you, everyone. Daniel made sure that everyone was going to be saved. All those wise men, all the Babylonian wise men too. And he says, take me to your king. Don't execute, don't execute the wise men. Take me to your king and I'll tell him. And I love it. I, brought the, I found the man that can do this. And, and he didn't. He did, Daniel found Arioch and told him that he could interpret his dream. He, he always gave God the credit for everything. Every success. And that leads us to, to the next step. Step eight. Verses 16 through 18. The king asked Daniel, also called Belshazzar, are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? And Daniel replied, I love it. No wise man, no enchanter, no magician or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he had asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the days to come. Your dream and your, the visions that pass through your mind as you were lying in bed are these. As your majesty was lying there, 
your mind turned to the things to come, and the revealer of mysteries, the revealer of mysteries, showed you what is going to happen. As for me, the mystery has been revealed to me, not because I have greater wisdom than anyone else alive, but so that your majesty may know the interpretation, that you may understand what went through your mind. So that's step eight, point people to God. Point people to God. Daniel replies, no one else could do this. No wise men, no magician, no diviner, no one. But there is a God in heaven who can. God can do what none of us can do. And he chose, Daniel tells him, he chose to show you. Daniel goes on to say, not because I'm greater or anything else. He pointed over and over to the God who is great. If God gives us successes, we need to use that platform to point other people to God. And show others that I am nothing without Jesus. So, to recap, don't panic. Ask why. Ask for time. Enlist prayer support from friends. Pray and expect God to give supernatural help. Worship God with praise and honor and thanks. Use what God shows me to save others and point people to God. Such practical wisdom here that Daniel shows us, that, and it's worth following, no matter what unrealistic demand is in front of you today. No matter what mountain you feel like you're facing. No matter what you feel is cutting at you, is, is weighing down on you, no matter what that situation is, no matter how impossible it may seem, find God's hand in what you're going through. Look for it and, and trust that he's sovereign in your life. And Daniel goes on to, um, to, to interpret this dream. And, and bear with me, I'm, I'm, we're, we're almost done. But I wanna, this is, if I don't read this, we miss the entire um, story. This is... Um, what the actual dream was, what the interpretation was. Your majesty looked and there before you stood a large statue, an enormous and dazzling statue, awesome in appearance. Here it is. The head of the statue was made of pure gold, the chest and arms of silver, the belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of baked clay. While you were watching, catch this, a rock. Sound familiar? Jesus, the rock of our salvation. As we sang earlier, the rock that by God's hands were cut away from the tomb when Jesus rose from the dead. That rock, which was cut out, but not by human hands. It struck the statue at the feet of iron and clay and smashed them. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, the gold were all broken to pieces and became like chaff on a threshing floor in the summer. The wind swept them away, leaving nothing but a trace that they ever existed. But the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain and filled the whole earth. This was the dream, and now we will interpret it to the king, Daniel says. Your majesty, you are the king of kings. The God of heaven has given you dominion and power and might and glory in your hands. He has placed all mankind and the beasts of the field and the birds of the sky. Who does that sound like? Satan right now has dominion here, not in the end and not in overpower over God. God has that power. But that sounds to me like he's telling him, God's given you all this dominion and power over the earth right now. He's placed you in charge of it. Whether they live, he, or, I'm sorry, in your hands he has placed all mankind, the beasts of the field, the birds of the sky. Whether they live, he has made you ruler over them all. You are the head of gold. After you, another kingdom will rise up, inferior to yours. Next, a third kingdom, one of bronze, will rule over the whole earth. Finally, there will be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, for iron breaks and smashes everything. 
And as iron breaks things into pieces, so it will crush and break all the others. Just as you saw that the feet and the toes were partly baked of clay and partly of iron, so this will be the divided kingdom. Yet it will have some of its strength of iron in it, even as you saw iron mixed with clay. As the toes were partly iron and clay, partly clay, so this kingdom will be partly strong and partly brittle. And just as you saw the iron mix and baked, uh, mixed with baked clay, so the people will be a mixture and will not remain uh, um, united any more than iron mixes with clay. In, that, in the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. That's Jesus, the rock, setting up in the time of all these kingdoms, setting up his kingdom. That nor will it be left for another to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and it will bring them to an end, but it will itself endure forever. This is the meaning of the vision that, of the rock that cut out of the mountain, not by, by human hands, a rock that broke the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold to pieces. The great God has shown the king what will take place the dream is tr- in the future. The dream is true and the interpretation is trustworthy. I appreciate you sticking through that's long, but let me tell you this. This dream interpretation is incredible. I'm not going to tackle this morning because it's a beautiful day. Um, but you guys, this, this dream's amazing. In the picture, we see the head of the statue. The head of gold is King Nebuchadnezzar, he tells him. His Babylonian empire. The chest and arms of silver are the inferior Persian empire that, we, that Daniel gets to see pretty, pretty soon. The Persian empire. The belly and the thighs of bronze is the third powerful kingdom of Greece that took over as a worldly power. The legs are the strongest power of all, the Roman Empire. Crushing everything. Feet and iron of clay and mixed, they're crushing everything, right? We know the story. But the, the, the Roman Empire was divided. And then he drops the bomb. And I, and I don't mean that metaphorically like up here. He drops a bomb on them right now. He drops the rock. And he tells them this rock, it was cut from the mountain not by human hands meaning Jesus, not by human, right, not by human flesh, but by God, cuts through and will destroy every one of those other people. Every one of those um, empires will be crushed. All those kingdoms will be crushed and Jesus's kingdom in heaven will endure forever. Daniel saw God's hand and God's sovereignty and, and how great God was, and he got to see it fulfilled through his future. But even in the face of the awful death, I have this question for us this morning. Um, whatever this world, whatever Satan, whatever our weak flesh, you fill in the blank, whatever is in front of you, I pray that you have the same faith that Daniel had, that he heard from the same faith that Joseph had. In Genesis 50, verse 20, listen to this. This resilient, unwavering faith. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. I hope that I can believe that no matter what I'm going through, no matter how evil it may seem that God's intending it for good. God, help me to have a resilient faith like that. Thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can view any message from the past six years at socc.org messages? You can also view complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv.